Chapter 8 of Hard to Beat by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 Bob's Coup and Consolidated Gas Next morning Bob was stopped on Broad Street by Mr. Duncan, who was on his way to the stock exchange. The day after you bought those Red Dog certificates from me, a man came into our office and inquired for the stock. I told him we had just sold the batch we had on hand for over a year. He wanted to know who bought the stock, and thinking there might be something in it for you, I sent him up to your place. Did you see him? I saw him, all right, grinned Bob. His name is Smithers. He wanted the stock so badly that he offered me five cents a share for it. How dickens you say, exclaimed Mr. Duncan in a tone of surprise. Of course you sold it to him and raked in a pretty little profit on your deal. Bob shook his head. Nope, I didn't sell it to him. What? How was that? You say he offered you five cents a share. He did better than that. After I refused to take it, he raised the ante to eight cents. You're joking, young man, said the broker incredulously. If you don't believe me, you can ask Mr. Scrooge. The offer was made in his presence. The man must have been crazy. He was crazy mad when I wouldn't take him up. Do you mean to say that you refused eight cents a share? Almost gasped Mr. Duncan. That's what I said, not only for the 5000 I bought of you, but for another block of 5000 I got from our firm. Bob Brooks, is there anything the matter with your gray matter? Asked the broker, looking at the boy as if he thought him a fit candidate for Bloomingdale. Not to my knowledge, replied Bob coolly. Well, you're a conundrum. How can you expect to make any such sum as that out of those certificates? What scheme have you got in your mind's eye? I think Red Dog is a good stock to own about this time. What are you handing me out, Bob Brooks? Asked the broker, apparently mystified. I'm not handing you out anything, merely answering your question. Did you see that item in yesterday's Globe about Red Dog? Asked Bob. No, what did it say? Asked Mr. Duncan, with a sudden show of interest. It said that the mine shows signs of coming to life again. Oh, I guess that's only a newspaper yarn. You can't put any dependence on such reports. Not unless they are corroborated. Do you want a tip, Mr. Duncan? I'm always glad to accept one if it's good for anything, replied the broker with a humorous smile. But anything valuable is seldom allowed to go at large. That's no dream, sir. My tip's this, and it isn't at all funny either, whether you think so or not. Buy Red Dog if you see any of it floating around loose. I will if you guarantee to take it off my hands right away, he said as though the idea struck him as a good joke. That's a bargain, said the boy with a promptness that rather staggered him. That is, provided you won't ask more than I can afford to pay. And what can you afford to pay? asked the broker with a grin. Five cents a share is my limit at present. Just then a couple of bare-legged newsboys came running down the street, shouting, "Extree, full account of the gas deal at Albany! Extree!" Mr. Duncan bought a copy, and so did Bob. Too bad, ejaculated the broker as he glanced rapidly over the scarehead. That infernal ransom bill has passed the assembly, and will now be sent to Mayor McClellan. The gas trust has carried everything before it. I've got to get on the floor. This news will send consolidated kidding upward. Mr. Duncan bolted in the door of the exchange while Bob, on the impulse of the moment, rushed up to the visitor's gallery. 
The news had already spread around the exchange, and Consolidated Gas was the center of a fierce commotion. A dozen brokers were trying to buy the stock, and the price mounted a half a point at a time, and sometimes a whole point. It went to 192 in advance of six points before a lull came in that section of the floor. That's the quickest money I ever made in my life, $450 in about ten minutes, muttered Bob to himself as he leaned over the railing and watched the scene of excitement below. Altogether, I'm $900 ahead of the game up to this point. If both the mayor and the governor sign the bill, I ought to get double that amount. But if one or the other should turn it down, my profits would vanish like a snuffed-out candle flame. Feeling that he had wasted too much of his boss's time on his own personal account, Bob hurried back to the office. He was kept pretty well on the run that forenoon, but he managed to get frequent peeps at the stock indicator in the office and thus kept in touch with the stock in which he was interested. "'If you've looked at that tape once, you've looked at it a dozen times this morning,' laughed Kitty as she was putting on her hat to go to lunch. "'I hope you haven't been so foolish as to go into the market again.' And she regarded Bob with a very severe look. "'You certainly do take a great deal of interest in my business affairs,' said the boy as he grabbed her two hands and held them prisoners. "'I have gone into the market again, Miss Want-to-know-it-all.' I've soaked a little pile in good old consolidated gas at 180, and is now at 194. So what have you got to say about that? Why, when did you do that? Three or four days ago. And you never said a word to me about it? You close-mouthed boy. With a pout. Oh, I didn't dare. I was afraid you wouldn't do a thing to me, laughed Bob. And I thought you had put that money in a savings bank. Well, you know what thought did, grinned the boy mischievously. Go along, you ridiculous boy. But what about this gas stock? How came you to buy that? Got a pointer, a real Simon Pure kiss-me-quick ironclad tip. And you can bet I wasn't letting a snap like that go by me. You say you're ahead, then? Sure I am, fourteen points to the good. I'm always on the water wagon. And that leads a procession every time, and don't you forget it. You are a lucky boy, aren't you? She said admiringly. There are others, Kitty. I'll bet there'll be a mob of gilt-edged politicians at the Hoffman Cafe this afternoon and tonight opening bottles of champagne to beat the band. Are you going to join them? She asked mischievously. I'm going to do better than that. As soon as I sell out my illuminating stock, I'm going to take you around to Dell's and give you a swell dinner. No, you're not, said the girl. I wouldn't allow you to spend money in any such foolish way as that. I would not dare go there anyway. If you want to treat me to ice cream soda or just plain ice cream, I'll let you. But that's the limit. All right, you're the doctor. And Kitty went to lunch. During the ensuing week, there was so much opposition developing against the gas grab, as it was stigmatized, and so much pressure brought against Mayor McClellan in order to have him veto the bill, that Bob got nervous and hesitated about holding on to his stock, which fluctuated around 193. Finally, the mayor signed the bill, when everybody thought he would not, and an awful howl went up from the yellow journals in consequence. But something else also went up that was more satisfactory to Bob, and that was his stock. The moment the news came out that the mayor had affixed his signature to the bill, consolidated stock jumped with greater buoyancy than ever. It reached 200 by the closing of the exchange that day, the bill was now up to the governor. Would he veto it? 
He was a Republican, while the mayor was a Tammany Democrat. It would be a feather in his political cap to turn it down. Shall I chance it? figured Bob. If I sell now, my profit on the deal will be $1,500. A bird in the hand is worth two in the blackberry bush. I guess I'll sell out now. There was nothing vacillating about Bob's nature. Once he had decided upon a course of action, he put it through without flinching. So the next morning he called on Treadwell and company and told them to sell his gas stock at the ruling price, and ten minutes afterward the stock had passed out of his control. It was well that he got rid of the stock, for it never went higher than a fraction of a point, and in due time the governor vetoed the bill, and a number of get-rich-quick politicians were caught in a toboggan and were pinched pretty severely, while the astute Bob Brooks, having got out from under at the right moment, had something like $2,600 standing to his credit in the bank. He signalized this coup by buying his mother and sisters each a new fall outfit, from hat to shoes. He also laid in a new suit and other wearing apparel for himself. As for Kitty... She had ice cream and soda until she finally had to call a halt. End of chapter 8